This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another OUinsider.com podcast. I'm RJ Young. I'm joined by OUI247 staff writer Colin Kennedy. Colin, what's going on, man? Oh, we're getting through it. We're having a good time doing it. How about you, my man? Yo, man, uh, on and popping because not only you get a commitment from Danny Stutzman, but before you get a commitment from Danny Stutzman, an hour before that, you get the top three from Caleb Williams. It includes Oklahoma, LSU, and Maryland. And then Garrett Newsmeyer blows all that up by going, hey, I'm committed to play quarterback at LSU in this 2021 class. And then we were talking about this just before. Hunter Yurichek coming out saying, we plan to, uh, to play football on time. We plan to reopen the weight room around you one and – perhaps start practice around July 15th, about six weeks out. So interesting times because like Nebraska, Arkansas, parts of Texas, Mississippi, Alabama, Oklahoma, all places that really want to play football this year, even as, you know, we got this question about testing and we got this question about how students are going to be integrated. Because like this is fascinating for me because we have athletic directors and presidents saying we're going to have class to which I'm going, if you're a kiddo or the parent of a kiddo do you really want to have class interesting discussion I'm going to ask a couple of recruits about it but I'm curious what are your thoughts about it yeah just kind of like we were mentioning before we started the show it's been fascinating to see these various campuses reopening and these various football programs pushing to start back team activities mainly because of who they are and where they're located for me it's been very telling why these programs are able to push for what they're wanting is because like you're saying, it's states like Mississippi, Missouri, Oklahoma, areas that don't necessarily have extreme population density. Whereas in areas like Texas or Florida or California, you're not hearing the same kind of noise. And so look at the end of the day, it's all fun and games to talk about doing this or that, but at the same time, College football is played by, what, 130-plus teams? Right. Everyone's got to be on the same page, in my opinion, or this thing's going down the crapper. So I I hope that we can all find a way to take the correct route and make sure that everyone can participate in similar activities. Because, I mean, obviously everyone's going to talk about competitive advantage or whatever, but my biggest thing is safety, and I don't want to put guys at a bigger risk because of where they are or where they're located as opposed to some of these other programs that don't necessarily have to worry about the same circumstances. So, look, I, again, I want to play football. I want to get back to normalcy. I want to see sports return. Heck, I was up late night last night watching Korean baseball. As was but I. at the same time, yeah. I, I don't want to, to put anyone at risk, and I feel like we should all kind of keep that in mind as we go through these things. So I, I know that your check has – what he stands by, but at the same time, one person's opinion, again, is not better than the public's great good. Right, and I think the interesting part about this is that he said this in a conference call to the UA Board of Trustees, along with fellow athletic directors from UA Monticello and UA Pine Bluff. Also, he kind of threw in there, it's a tough sell to play football with no fans, to which I'm going, 
Yeah, I get that as well, which is, you know, that's it's also a, a cart before a horse situation. But the other aspect of this that I find interesting is for some kids, yeah, they're coming out of a pretty well-adjusted household um, where everything's taken care of. Dad's got a good job. Mom's got a good job. Others, not so much, right? Some guys just want to get back to campus because it's the best place for them to be, even when that place is not necessarily safe. Uh, another aspect of this I find interesting is, you know, nobody needed spring practice the way that first-year head coaches needed needed spring practice. And Sam Pittman is one of those. It's kind of like uh, Dave Aranda at Baylor, right? I think Lincoln Riley, mm-hmm. Alex Grinch, whatnot, they're, they're going to be better off than most because – Everybody's got at least one year in the system, and you know what's expected, and uh, you got some really good policing going on by your students. But, like, I'm thinking about, you know, Levi Draper was expecting to be packing up and getting on campus, uh, like, this month, right? Uh, expecting to walk and then go straight to playing football as a grad transfer. And you look at some of the kids that, like Miles Slusher, who was really looking for a gym when everything dropped down. And he's from Broken Arrow here in uh, the Tulsa area, and he's headed to Arkansas. So now it's 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 interesting, and I'm sure Sam Pittman would love to be able to practice, but I I have been going one ear and out the other with winning coaches and what they've said because they're not making decisions, right? They're athletic directors, yeah. they're presidents, they're, they're commissioners. And while Greg Sankey has been pretty forward about, we don't want to be the only school or school uh, only conference, but we will be. And you have lots of his uh, members that are going, yeah, we'll play football. I mean, hell, the governor of Alabama just reopened as well, along with Oklahoma. And we all know tied football is is the sport, right, in the state of Alabama. So I wonder how much public pressure is going to be on this. Because, like, a fan survey by ESPN said that most fans would be more comfortable with games with, uh, with no fans in the stands. And I'm going, yeah, because you're taking care of yourself. That's not the athletes themselves. And for those that think that we're just trying to poo-poo it, we're sports guys. Like, we're sports writers. We're sports podcasters. We're sports radio hosts. Like, we want sports. I just, I don't want to risk anybody getting, uh, dying over it. Not getting hurt, dying over it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And my big thing is like, okay, just take all that of it. We're talking about, well, we would rather play football, but it'd be weird to not have pins and stands. It's a much easier sell to play football than not, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. So we can talk about no fans or everyone going back to normalcy, but at the same time, you have to take the steps needed to make sure that there's actually some sports being played in the fall. And so that's why being a little bit more cautious is always going to be the correct approach at this stage because we still don't really know what we're up against. And Obviously, various people have various opinions on that, but at the same time, I commend various individuals for wanting to make sure they're doing whatever is best for not only their program, but for the greater good. So we'll see, man. In my opinion, whatever you can do to just make sure that the game of football is being played, doesn't really matter if you're a first-year coach or a, a tenured veteran. I think we can all agree we'd rather have the actual game being played. Right. Uh, and we're at a point in our calendar that is uh, a little bit more familiar than perhaps the last two months because well, we get into what we know of as, as off-season. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Real way, because spring football will have been wrapped up. Kids would be getting ready to walk. And we would be really paying attention to the recruiting trail as commitments tend to start really ramping up and dominoes start to fall at the beginning and end of the summer. And Tennessee coming on strong, man. Eight commitments in the last seven days, including two five stars. I believe every one of those, except perhaps one, has been a four-star or better. And then you've had uh, LSU come on strong with JoJo Earl, who I know you are very high on. Landon Jackson out of Texarkana. And then yesterday, Garrett Neusmeyer. And, you, you know, at the top, Ohio State, Tennessee got 17 commits. Uh, I think North Carolina's got 14. Oklahoma picks up its fifth and Danny Stutzman. But I think the most important part of that is it feels like there's going to be a, a tremendous domino effect here in the not-too-distant future. What do you think, Colin? I agree. I mean, you just kind of saw it all take place. As you're mentioning, LSU picking up real heat, especially in the Texas high school football area. As you know, I mean, I'm very familiar with all those guys. You mentioned JoJo Earl, Nuss, a guy that's literally playing quarterback at my former high school. Brian Allen Jr. is a kid out of Belito that I'm very close with as well. And I was wholeheartedly believing he was going to give a lot of various programs some serious looks, and then he just decided to jump the boat and commit early. And that's what you're kind of seeing right now is even though these kids aren't able to be on campus, I think it's kind of allowed them to follow their emotions a little bit more, maybe their instincts, and just trust where they want to go is actually the place they want to end up being at. So as a result, you're seeing programs like maybe LSU or, or Tennessee or North Carolina, programs that can really pull your heartstrings if you're a prospect, capitalizing on these opportunities. And so Tennessee, look, as someone who I grew up a big Florida Gators fan, I cover OU football, I've seen Tennessee over the past several years, Maybe you don't want my opinion on that program, but at the same time, you're seeing them capitalize because there are certain advantages in the circumstance that favor volunteers. I think now that these dominoes start to fall, OU fans would then hope, okay, when do the dominoes start to fall in our direction? That's when you kind of saw the Danny Stutzman thing take place. A commitment I think we all kind of expected after he was able to virtually visit campus. Now you just have to wonder and see, okay, if Nussmeyer makes the move to LSU, if Stutzman finally makes it to Oklahoma, does this start to sort out the biggest question mark of OU football's recruiting world? And that is Caleb Williams in the series three. Does this mean it's all said and done? Well, obviously him releasing that top three, I'm sure we'll get into it, would indicate that there's still some sort of open-mindedness to this approach. But I, I think we can all read between the lines here. Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley have an outstanding relationship. And as long as that Sooner staff continues to build a momentum between the two parties, I have a hard time believing that Caleb Williams won't be making it official sometime soon this coming summer. No, I mean, uh, it, it kind of, I want to say, I don't want to say blow up on his face, but that's how it feels like when, when you drop a top three at 11, uh, that includes LSU. And then, you know, whether or not it was coordinated or not, Newsmeyer comes behind, with a commitment to LSU like an hour later, you remove your biggest question mark from the board. I mean, I guess we can't count Mike Loxley out because he's done a tremendous job recruiting to Maryland here in the last couple of years. But we know that when you want to play quarterback, there's not really a, a contest there between Maryland and Oklahoma. And we also know that you spent four days at OU in March, right? When you got a picture of Lincoln Riley hugging your mom in your Twitter profile. I mean, you... 
if he's been trying to keep it a secret, he's been doing a bad job, I guess is my point there. But, like, what I find most fascinating about this is, like, I upload on Newsmeyer committing to LSU, just like I upload on Stutzman and so forth and so on because recruiting. But LSU stands really believe that they're going to get both Newsmeyer and Williams in the same class, and I want to hear your response to that. No way. I'm sorry. <laughs> Come on now. Like, let's not be delusional. I mean, there's no way that a guy like, like Nuss, who, who's a really good quarterback and quite frankly has really revolutionized and revamped that Marcus football offense, he does not commit somewhere unless he knows he's got a real opportunity to play here real soon. Right. So, look, I, you can say all you want. I understand you just won the natty and what props to you. I'm not an LSU basher by any sense, but at the same time, you're kidding yourself. You really think a five-star quarterback that has all aspirations of making it to the league is going to go ahead and make it with another guy already in the mix who probably believes that he's going to get an opportunity. So, no, I- I'm sorry. I'm going to go ahead and burst that bubble real quick. Yeah, man. I I thought that was funny because in the comments, you're like, I guess he forgot that Texas took two uh, signal callers in their 2020 class. And I'm going, well, Hudson Card is the guy they expect. And Quentin Jackson, while great, one, coming off an ACL tear, two, they really want him as an athlete. Like, I, I think he's going to get a shot in the same way that Roshan Johnson got a shot. There's going to, hey, we're going to get hurt over at this other position. We're going to be like, you know, if you want to get on the football field, here's the best way to do that. But it's, you also took two quarterbacks in the last class for LSU, right? In um, TJ Finley and Max Johnson. I don't see you doing that again because then you just, then you're just taking away spots that you probably should use for other positions. It's like I, I get exactly. the I get the understanding for getting two quarterbacks in a class, especially in an in an even year for you, um, and it's an even year for both Oklahoma and LSU. And what I mean by even is uh, you recruit the guy that you think is going to start for the next three years, and then you recruit a guy that perhaps can compete with that for that job, but not necessarily dependent because. I mean, that's just how this works. This is the reason why Bryce Young doesn't come to Oklahoma. It's because Spencer Rattley came in 2019. You get Chandler Morris in 2020, so you can go after a Brock Vandergriff or a Kayla Williams in 2021. It's just the way that quarterback recruiting works differently. So for you to load up at that position also makes no sense as both a recruiting coordinator and a head coach. I just, I just don't see it. Like, I want competition on my depth chart, but I don't need six quarterbacks in my QB room. Yeah, and I think this is where I would feed into sort of the recruiting fiend of LSU fans. It's, look, I, I understand that in any situation, there isn't a program in the nation that wouldn't take Caleb Williams yesterday, no matter what scholarship situation they're facing. But at the same time, if you're LSU, you know full well you took two guys in the position a cycle ago. You've got a guy that could be there a little bit. You've got a limited amount of scholarships, and the biggest thing for me is – LSU has far more recruiting momentum right now than Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So then why would you know that that offer has to be committable and meaningful? Would you let it go to someone other than Caleb Williams? Like read between the lines right. here, guys. Right. They made this decision. They allowed Nussmeyer to join the class for a reason. They can, they can spell out the letters just like we all can. So look, at the end of the day, it's all fun and games. I know we have to talk about stuff, but, at the same time, logic still applies in this crazy world of recruiting, and hopefully we can all apply it in this situation as well. So let's go from that to Stutzman and being six foot three, two hundred five. I know that he is listed as an outside linebacker, but coming off 110 tackles last year, in addition to 900 yards receiving on 44 catches, 
he's a Shane Witter type to me. He's a he's an inside linebacker that you you could flex him outside for sure. And I see him kind of as a chase tackler, as a will, kind of like Kenneth Murray, who was also listed as an outside linebacker and was thrust in the inside because of injuries, but then it was just where he was. Uh, where do you think that Stutzman fits on the defensive depth chart for Oklahoma? Yeah, I would put him at the will spot. I, mm-hmm. I think the Mike backer spot is obviously going to someone else who would probably play more on the interior. But, I mean, Stutzman to me is definitely a guy that could play very well a little bit behind the line of scoring, but could also step up and provide that pass rush like Kenneth Murray did at times. I think he's agile. He's quick. He's a bigger body, like you're saying, 6'3". I think I saw him the other day listed in some places like 215. Mm-hmm. So you have a good foundation to build on. But at the same time, you also know that because of the linebacker positioning in our trenches defense, there's kind of a set role here. And unless you're a true edge kind of guy, you're going to be playing that will if you're athletic and around that side. So I think he fits very well, kind of like you're saying, that Shane Witter mold. Let him just run around, be mm-hmm. free, make plays, because mm-hmm. you saw it. If you go look at his stats from the 24-7 sports profile, not only is this guy coming off 110 tackles, but, I mean, this guy had what? Double-digit sacks is like Damn. sophomore year in high school. He was all over, 14 tackles for loss. Just he's a stat sheet stuffer. And if you're that kind of player, you play the Will Backer spot and you just go for Alex Grinch and company. So I think it's a really good pickup. And I would also mention that, hey, Steve Wolfong and the other recruiting experts in 24-7 sports fully believe that Stutzman's the guy that could shoot up the recruiting rankings just like Witter did. So I would also mention props to Brian Odom for continuing to identify talent that's eventually going to be wanted by other programs across the country. I think this is a great evaluation, a great pickup, and a really nice fit at that eventual Will linebacker spot in that defensive system. It's an interesting pickup, too, because it makes me wonder whether or not you're done with your linebacker recruiting, because if Kobe McKenzie can reclassify, that's obviously a a spot that gets filled, right? So that would give you two in that 21 class. But if he doesn't, you know, do you still pursue uh, the linebackers that you're looking at, in addition to this idea of, you know, what you're going to look like uh, offensively. And I get that, you know, wide receivers is going to be a need. Uh, quarterback is an absolute need. But also, like, the running back position, because I've been playing with this idea. Would you take three linebackers or three running backs in this class? Knowing that you didn't get two running backs in the last class, let alone that one of them wasn't Jace McClellan. But also, like, Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's not as if you, you're thin at linebacker, but you would love to see a little bit more competition, especially knowing that Caleb Kelly is gone and Deshaun White with a good season could be gone as well. It's a really tough question to ask. And it's also interesting because the running back that Oklahoma was incredibly involved in in 2022 in Relique Brown, right. to me, isn't just the true lone running back. Like That's a guy you want to play all over the field just to capitalize on his natural ability. And so for that reason, Given how important it is to have depth of that position of running back, and we've seen it literally with our own eyes, I wouldn't blame that staff if they try and take three running backs, especially because in the class beforehand, they have some guys 
who could play linebacker, edge rusher. They took three guys that I think that could really be versatile on that side of the ball. And so when you identify it, and especially what it means in Lincoln Riley's offense, if I have the opportunity to take a, a Kamar Wheaton and then maybe an L.J. Johnson, I mean, just the list goes on and on, right. I don't see why you wouldn't do it, especially because of how big of a need that is, not only in a recruiting class, but in an offensive system and on the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> it didn't take much for those injuries to start mounting up for everyone in Oklahoma football fandom to say, Oh man, we may need a couple more bodies in that RB room. So I I would lean that direction at this stage, especially because like Brendan Walker, Shane Witter, I know that the guys in the class before could probably make up for some of the depth issues there, but I don't know that they don't necessarily have a guy that can sub in that running back room moving forward. Right. And I think for the first time you saw Oklahoma get hit with the grad transfer bug, it's usually, you know, taking advantage of it, whether it be wide receiver or quarterback. You know, Trey Sermon was a guy that was expected to not only contribute, but get a heavy amount of carries for Oklahoma in 2020. And he's he's a Buckeye now, right? So I find that to be as more interesting than anything else because uh, we talked about would you take, you know, two quarterbacks that are both high profile blue chip dudes in the same class? And I'm going, if you can get three running backs and one of them's a five-star and one of them's a four-star, one of them's a three-star, you do that because, yeah, you could end up with Joe Mixon. You could also end up with Kennedy Brooks, right? Two guys that are on the opposite ends of the spectrum when we're talking about recruiting rankings and both guys that ended up being absolute players because injuries, right? Or because getting Mm -hmm. into trouble, right? Joe Mixon gets into trouble. Kennedy Brooks takes advantage of the Rodney Anderson injury situation and has blossomed into one of the better college running backs in the country it's just about size and and whether or not that's going to translate to the next level because he's just not he's just not as big as a Jonathan Taylor he's not as big as a Chuba Hubbard right and Chuba Hubbard by many is not is not large either right he's like 210 so uh I find that to be interesting I I would also lean toward taking three running backs if I could get three running backs that I liked um I wanted to talk a little bit about the the next five that we expect to join the first five, right? Uh, just throwing some names out there. Uh, I think we would agree on these, so stop me if if you don't agree. Uh, Kayla Williams, Christian Leary, um, Latrell McCutcheon, uh, Mario Williams, and then the fifth I find a little bit, um, I mean, I'm going to say Kamara Wheaton because it feels okay. It, fe- it feels good to say. But SMU has been doing some outstanding things here, uh, particularly when it comes to Kamara Wheaton and Stavion Bird. I'm like, well, how the hell does SMU get in this conversation? And yet they're right there with OU and LSU for uh, both of those guys, in addition to you know the likes of Texas. But, oh, Bryce Foster. That's the guy that I was looking yeah. for. Yeah, Bryce Foster. So there's six. Um, what do you think? You, you think Oklahoma gets upset in any of those where we, we might say that you know OU should have an edge in, in many of those recruiting races? Uh, those would be the five that I would list. Okay. I think they're in a really good spot with Latrell. I think Bryce Foster, obviously, I've mentioned him a tons of times mm-hmm. as the guy that I think Oklahoma needs to land. I think they're in a good position to land. It sounds kind of crazy, but maybe Christian Leary might be the most questionable of that five, okay. right? Because okay. we've heard so many different reports of Alabama saying, okay, we're in a great position. It's between us and Florida. Florida saying, it's between us and Oklahoma. Or Oklahoma saying it's us alone, maybe being challenged by Florida. Right. I mean, you just hear so many different things about Leary, and you're like, what the heck is going on? My head's swirling. It's mm-hmm. just I, maybe it's a situation where the guy is just telling everyone, 
kind of what they want to hear to make sure that this recruitment goes on. But of the five, maybe the most uncertain I'm about is Leary because of the varying reports we've heard surrounding his recruitment. That's just my opinion. But at the same time, I still think those five names are in great position and probably will eventually be in this 2021 recruiting class. So uh, it's interesting that you bring that up, right? Because uh, keep keeping those balls in the air, trying to keep people guessing because that's part of the fun of being a recruit uh, is interesting. But also, can we be looking at a Jansen Dunn situation where a kid doesn't know that he's a take for perhaps his the school that he actually wanted to go to and, he, and it just never gets communicated to him? Because that's the more I think about that situation, the more it's just wild because – you would like to think that anybody that wanted to get you a part of their class would leave no doubt, right? That they want you in the class. And for him, there was at least some doubt because he committed to Oklahoma and then flipped uh, to Ohio State after having a conversation about, oh, cool, then I'm going to go to Ohio State. And I don't begrudge him that, but I wonder if Oklahoma could get beaten that way again for a Christian Leary. Like you're, uh, like you're talking about all these other schools think that they're in. Okay, how in are you? Is it are you in like LSU's in on Caleb Williams, or are you in like uh, I don't know uh, Ethan Downs is with Oklahoma to use a, a lock, you know? Like I just yeah, that's fascinating. You, you, would you think that that can happen again with any of these five? Well, you're talking about are you in like this or in like that? I mean, are you in right. like Ohio State was in with Jason Dunn? Like, there, there you, you literally you control that mm-hmm. outcome of recruitment, right. which is fascinating to me. I mean. Think about a programmer that can say, oh, wait, now we want you in. And the crew will say, okay, yeah, that's cool with me, and immediately go over to that program. I mean, mm-hmm. that is incredible amounts of power. But I just don't know that any one of those main three programs involved in Larry's recruitment necessarily are playing that game because, I don't know, I- I'm not saying this with the utmost authority, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I'm firmly led to believe that, from what I know, Florida and Oklahoma would take that guy yesterday. Uh, Alabama, I haven't touched base with too much, but I would assume that when you put on Leary's tape, Alabama coaches would be like, yeah, we would like him as well to go with the guy at Hall. Mm -hmm. So I don't see something like that happening, but that's why for me it's just that much more intriguing because I think that Leary controls his destination at this point. I don't know that he's necessarily being walled out by any of his top three or any other program, mind you. So in that aspect of things, Leary could – flip his mind in the blink of an eye and just end up at a completely different area than maybe we expected. I think for everyone around this area and everyone listening to this, it's probably Oklahoma. But, I mean, what's stopping Leary, if this is true, to waking up tomorrow and saying, you know what, I want to stay in the state of Florida. I want to be a Florida game. I, I mean, that's what's fascinating to me, and that's why, for me, he's the wild card of that five that we're talking about. Yeah, man, I, I look at Alabama, though, and I'm thinking – of anybody that needs to pull out stops, right, and, and get a few wins going, it would be Alabama, right? Because they're they're yeah. kind of in that same boat as A&M and Oklahoma right now in that you're staring up going, wait a second, aren't we supposed to be in the top ten? What the hell is Tennessee doing at number three, right? What's North Carolina doing at two? Now, what's Iowa doing in the top ten along with Minnesota? And yet Nick Saban has shown, given an opportunity toward the end of this thing, he's going to show up in somebody's living room and he's going to steal your girl. Like, so as much as I want to be like, yeah, Alabama needs a win, I think they do, one, for the fan base, and two, uh, just to get other recruits involved in what they're doing, the guys they actually want, right, the guys they really, really want in the worst way. I'm also going, 
probably behooves Florida or Oklahoma to win that kid early uh, and try to hold on to him as much as you can because one of the things that I, I think we haven't hit on enough is how good Dennis Simmons has been about making sure that, one, he gets the guys he wants, and two, those guys stay in the boat, right? We don't really hear a whole lot about uh, dudes that flip their commitment to somewhere else or reopen and don't come back. I mean, Theo Weiss reopened, he's back. Uh, you also would think about R.J. Henderson, but, I mean, that was another issue altogether, right? Um, I mean, that guy ends up at Jacksonville State, and I don't even think Jacksonville State has a football program anymore. Yeah, after Under Armour All-America, because he goes to Florida and then ends up, yeah. So uh, it's it's an interesting question about who actually controls recruiting, as you pointed out, with Ohio State, because I think that's that's a really fascinating question, right? Who has all of the mojo right now? Do you think, you know, Tennessee has something that Alabama can't go get? You know, like they decide they want to go get Dylan Brooks, you know, uh, who is out of Roanoke in Alabama and Hanley, and they decide they just want that in? I think they could go do him. I, I think they could go get Terrence Lewis if they wanted as well. And that should that should not terrify you if you're a fan of somebody else, but perhaps infuriate you, right? Because your your coaches aren't that good. Like that's that's all I can come up with, right? Is you weren't that good at convincing this dude that this is the best place for him to be, either for reasons that are beyond your control, you know, the way that people feel about Dax Hill going to Michigan, or because you just didn't recruit him as hard as you probably should have because he'd been committed the whole time, uh, a la Jace McClellan and or Jay Bulware. So I'm interested, uh, as we close this thing out, what do you think? Do you think do, do you think that it matters who gets to actually pull a kid out from under you because they control recruiting the way Ohio State did with Oklahoma? Yeah, I mean, it definitely matters. I think to, to talk about all this is what is really fascinating to me about this specific recruiting cycle when we're talking about the pandemic and how that sort of determined the routes of these kids. Look, right now, we can talk all we want about Tennessee and North Carolina being at the top of the 24-7 class rank. But at the same time, I mean, what, we're 200-plus days away from National Signing Day, and Miami of Ohio <laughs> is towards the top. Nebraska's okay? so top 20. <laughs> Yeah, but like they're up uh, there, uh, Rutgers up there. is top twenty. So, excuse me. Like it's like what? If if you see Miami of Ohio towards the top of the recruiting rankings, you should immediately tell yourself, okay, I should calm down. Like <laughs> everything's gonna be okay. Because for this reason, this reason alone is why I am not immediately gonna put all my chips on the table in favoring Tennessee or North Carolina. Okay. You still got to play the season. Right. You still have to play the game of football, and right. that's why, in my opinion, programs like Alabama or maybe in Auburn, they're, they're playing the slow game. Look, right now, it's favoring all the teams that know how to do the glitz and glam, the social media, and they know how to sell. But for me, Tennessee right now reminds me so much, RJ, so much of Texas A&M a few years ago when they joined the SEC yeah. and they started landing like two or three top five classes because they were like, look, we have a ton of money and we have big stadiums. So naturally, we look good, right? But you still got to go on the field. You still got to play Alabama. And that's where things start to derail when you talk about these early commitments and recruiting classes. So that's why, in my opinion, Alabama would still take O'Leary tomorrow, but they also know, hey, we can get our pickings later down the line once North Carolina or Tennessee or what have you has to actually go out there and prove the product that they're putting out. So in my opinion, this has been a very fascinating thing to follow when you talk about is it important? Yeah, it's important because at the end of the day, the programs that not only have 
the stuff to talk about, but the product to back it up, those are the programs who win. That's why, in my opinion, I'm buying Ohio State. I'm not necessarily buying North Carolina, Tennessee, because Alabama, Auburn, all those others are still going to be hot on their heels once the season eventually rolls over. That's Colin Kennedy coming in strong to finish this thing out. Follow him on Twitter at CKennedy247. Uh, CKennedy247. Uh, read his work on OUinsider.com. Uh, it's about to get on and popping, people. Like, we are get like, I've had to tear up things that I've written three times in the last two days because I'm getting new information all the time. And you can check out the VIP board where Brandon keeps it on and popping. Colin is right there with the 2021 and 2022 kiddos and updating us on what they're up to. And yeah, I think he's on to something when you're talking about, you still got to play the games. Uh, Colin, thanks so much, man. Appreciate you. Right, brother.